On today's episode, we discuss NFL Sunday Week 5 and the hypocrisy of the NBA Virtue Boy poster boy, Steve Kerr. This and much, much more. Time to sideline the agenda. Welcome to Sideline the Agenda. My name is Scott. With me is Kevin and Chris. And welcome to the show that sidelines the talking points of the corporate sports media. We give you our opinions unapologetically. Nothing is out of bounds and every subject is fair game. Coming up, the hypocrisy of the NBA all day. And we dive into week five of the NFL. But first, we would like to invite you to join our agenda to sideline the agenda by subscribing to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy your podcast entertainment. You can also follow us on Twitter at Sideline Agenda. Sideline the agenda. Get it off the sideline and into the game. All right. Week five NFL Sunday. It happened. We, we lived it. There was actually, you know what? It's, 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 I, we're, we're going to be talking about this later for sure. Um, but uh, this is, it's starting to get to that point, isn't it? It's yep. starting, we're starting to see who's legit. Yep. And who's shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And we're going to get to that for sure. But first, um, actually, NFL playoffs, is, excuse me, uh, Major League Baseball playoffs is happening right now. And uh, this year they have the new format with the wild card. 12 games, excuse me, 12 teams as a whole. And uh, uh, the, the wild card bracket is a best of three. And those games are played at home by the team that has the highest seed. So all games will happen. For example, you know, you have uh, uh, the New York Mets uh, uh, with the San Diego Padres. All of those games were happening in New York. Um, And all these games happen in a row. I don't know about you guys. What do you think about this new format? I actually am very much enjoying the new format. I think that this is kind of the format that they should stick with here to stay. What do you think? Is is how, how you guys liking the the wild card uh, format for Major League Baseball? I'm actually liking it. I mean, surprisingly, at first I was kind of, you know, more of a traditionalist, but I, I think it's very exciting. Uh, I've, it's definitely better than that one single game uh, playing that they had the last few years. Uh, I like the, um, you know, whoever has the higher seed of the wild cards being able to host all the games. You don't have to worry about travel. You don't have to worry about, you know, pushing it out an extra couple days. You can just get the games going. And, you know, they're very high stakes because it is a short series. So that's a great thing about playoff baseball is every little pitch matters, every hit, every run. And we've seen some doozies already. You know, oh, yeah. we saw a 15-inning game from Tampa and oh, Cleveland. Yeah. We saw one of the most epic comebacks ever by Seattle. That was amazing, and I was, I was really enjoying that one actually because I was I was watching some of the highlights and I was like, oh man, this game's over. When Toronto was way up, and then Seattle came storming back, and I I loved the little uh, I don't know if you guys caught it, but they were doing like that little like circle river dance type thing when they were celebrating at the end. I was like, oh, that's awesome. That was awesome. So Seattle, the huge underdog, no one expected to even get into the playoffs and here they are advancing. So I thought that was great. You know, on that point, because I was kind of having an attitude about Seattle in my head because of this new format, because the story was like, they haven't been to the playoffs in like 20 years, right? Like the longest yeah. team yeah. without with, with, in, in the playoff drought. And, and so the new format obviously helped them get to said playoffs. And sure. I had a bit of an attitude about the Mariners and then them with that comeback win, it's like, you know what? I mean, Kevin said it best. Like this is, this is a, a major league baseball, a playoff baseball. Like it's, yeah. it's a different thing in October yeah. and it's a far more entertaining and enjoyable product. Absolutely. I agree. 100% nothing like major league baseball oh, playoffs. And not only it doesn't I mean, just because you're a home team doesn't necessarily mean you're going to pull this out, right? Kind of yeah. which yeah. you're saying, Chris. I mean, 15, the 15 inning game, <laughs> one to nothing, I mean, crazy. <laughs> I mean, pitchers duel for sure, but the the excitement and and I agree with both of you guys. At first, I was a little hesitant. I I must agree. Uh, but as soon as we started getting into it, and you started getting oh man, and and actually. 
the crowd. Yeah. You guys noticed that? The crowd the is like... have been great. They've been wonderful, and they get you in the game. If you, Even if you're not a fan, obviously, I don't I don't really care about Seattle Mariners, and I don't really care about, you know, the Blue Jays, you know, Toronto. Uh, but I happen to feel like, yeah, I was intrigued with the win. I was kind of happy for the Mariners at the end of the day, and I think their pitchers, they, they came out definitely throwing some smoke. So... Um, it's it's been a good it's been a good experience all the way around. Yeah, yeah quality that, of baseball I, is great. Yeah, I think this is like the it, the short season or the short playoffs is kind of fixes a lot of the issues that the regular season has because the regular season is, is so long. It gets kind of mundane to where you're watching these long games and all these pitches and and it doesn't really hold the the importance. So Major League Baseball is trying to fix the regular season by speeding it up and try and get a little bit more offense. But in the playoffs, when it's only a couple of games and every pitch is so important, you get these really exciting games, even if they go 15 where it's one to nothing and there's not a lot of offense. Sometimes those are just as exciting as these 10 to 9 games because every little pitch, I mean, it, it could be a run, you know, and someone can knock one out. So it, it's everyone's on the edge of their seat all game long. So this is this is fantastic. Yeah, every move matters. I definitely was wrong about my wild card pick. I mean, not really a wild card, but St. Louis <laughs> oh, Cardinals St. Louis, yeah. being the sleeper. Oh man, they yeah, just well, you know, I, yeah. And it was a shame to see that game, that series end the way that it did. You had uh, Yadier, Yadier, Yadier Molina. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he and 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 he, I, well, God, he was looking like uh, he wasn't going to get on, right? Like uh, it was two outs um, and uh, bottom of the ninth at home in St. Louis. And he he got on with a with a little dinger down at the right field. Uh, and um, then unfortunately, uh, well, he 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 stepped out because of course they replaced him with a with a pinch, pinch Someone runner. Someone who could run, yeah, exactly, which was expected. <laughs> and so that that put the curtain on his career. And 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 a similar kind of situation happened with. Uh, um, uh, with uh, oh Pujols. God, Pujols, thank yeah. you. Like Albert Pujols, uh, same thing. Uh, I think it was a base hit, or, or yeah, it was base hit, and, and he got uh, replaced as well. So putting the curtain on their season um, because they're both retiring, and so there was something that was kind of nice and poetic about that. But then unfortunately, that last at bat with uh, I believe it was two players on, so they had a shot at, at, at tying the game. Um, uh, the batter whose name escapes me at the moment fouled out. So that was just kind of a shame, a little bit of a letdown for, for that yeah. series to end that sort of way. But, uh, I I'm digging it. I'm yeah. digging the new, uh, wild card, uh, format. I, I like the energy of a best of three. I, I like the, the, um, like you're saying, like every pitch matters, every hit matters. There's this impending doom (laughs) over both squads. And so there's, there's definitely an eagerness to win, uh, in, in the most expedient way to do so. And so I think that that just uplifts the product and uh, it definitely contributes to that October, that October energy that we love so much. Definitely. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's move on to, uh, the NBA, uh, up at Golden State Warriors, Draymond Green is um, uh, under the microscope with uh, some some actions that he took during practice. Uh, there was an initial reports of an altercation uh, involving Draymond Green, who uh, forcefully struck Jordan Poole during a heated argument. Um, the video, or excuse me, the incident itself was captured on video. The video was leaked. Uh, by TMZ showing Green, who threw a full-fledged punch, which appeared to strike Poole in the face and knock him to the floor. Green approached Poole from the sideline of the practice court, bumping him with his chest, and Poole responded by shoving Green just prior to Green throwing a punch. The Warriors are exploring every legal course of action to figure out how the video was leaked, yeah. according to ESPN. I, so so legal course of action, not in response to Draymond, physically striking a co-worker, because <laughs> like you and I could get away with that shit, right? Not forcefully striking a co-worker. That's not what they're interested with. They want to punish the whistleblower. 
they the hypocrisy of those on the left like Steve Kerr who who tells you every it just tells you everything you need to know about these individuals like do not judge a man by what he says judge him by his actions these are all empty platitudes that they constantly profess things like say their name you know how about the victim pool how about him you know no silence the individual that released the video to TMZ that person needs to be canceled. Yeah, that person fired. needs to be fired. Who embraces can- cancel culture? Who really does that? It, well, it's these individuals who, who wield it with no consideration of mercy. You know, worried about mass incarceration, are we? No, not really. Because through uh, this person, they, they, I mean, the individual that leaked this, this video, they would like to seek every legal course of action to figure out who leaked it to ESPN and then what course of action they can take once they identify this individual. Potential <laughs> prison time, maybe. Who knows? We'll see. You know, does Golden State Warriors head coach Steve Kerr have something to say about Draymond Green's display of violence, this individual who who uh, will sit down with a camera when any kind of uh, terrible incident happens in the United States and profess how much he's against it and how much he is, is against seemingly the United States as a whole and that we're just a, a culture of violence and, and things need to change, something needs to change. Is, is he making a statement about this? Like, we've all seen it. We've all seen the video. Like nobody could do this at their place of work and still re- retain their employment. But here, oh no, we're going to put this under the rug. Now we're mad. We're mad that this happened. We're not mad that Draymond Green punched a coworker in the face. We're mad that the video itself got out to the public. And now we're exposed for the hypocrites that we actually are. Yeah, I was half expecting Steve Kerr to come out and say that it's the Republicans' fault for why uh, Green struck pool, <laughs> or that the the leaker of the video was actually uh, Russian hackers. Yeah, this they is Russian informa- their, misinformation. Yeah, Russian misinformation and propaganda. They hacked the Warriors and, and released the video to TMZ, who's also working with Putin. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, when I first saw this story, I was like. Who cares? Like these, these are grown men. They're athletes. They got in a fight. Big deal. Like the, the guys get in fights all the time, especially in the NFL. This is really a non-story. But the reason it is a story is because this is the National Beta Association, right. and it's ran by a bunch of damn beta females masquerading as men out there uh, acting all tough and whatnot. So yeah, there, there's there's a fight. Oh my gosh, big deal. I, and uh, the, the video gets leaked, so now they go on a whine about it because they got exposed. So <laughs> it's 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 hilarious. And now Green is stepping away from the team. He apologized, but he's going to step away because these these grown men just can't move past it. And, uh, and he's going to work on himself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I would disagree. I would push back in this sense, Chris, because you have these individuals that profess so much when it comes to their cherry picked um, examples of violence. You know, they, they, because they have a culture of violence within their culture. Right. And so you can't sit there and try to call out, I don't know, gun violence in the way that you do and yet not handle the incidents that happen in your own house. It's like a couple of seasons ago when I can't remember the player who called the, uh, um, oh, the, the guy from uh, the Mavs, uh, the, the, the white Luka dude, a bitch ass white boy, right, right? right? Like that's not okay. It's not okay because it wouldn't be okay if it had happened. I mean, as we had talked before, you know, if that, if that happened on the, in the opposite situation, it would be, Oh my God, shut the league down. This person needs to be, you know, uh, incarcerated. This person right, needs, needs right. to get cut out of the league. And you know what I mean? Like, like that rightly so. But then when the opposite happens, it's they're almost just completely admitting that, you know what? These individuals, we don't really hold them to any standards because we don't believe that they're capable of yeah, it. Yeah, like that's what they do. That's what it says to me. You're telling me that you can go to your work every day and if you got frustrated, you could just all out punch somebody in the face? 
No, you would lose your job. Yeah. Yeah. But it's okay for us to say, oh, they're athletes. They, they, you know, we can't hold them to that kind of standard. They're not capable of, of, of uh, attaining it. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like excuses, excuses. Complete double standard. And to your example with Montrez Harrell that, you know, mouthed off to Luca Diantres from Dallas. I mean, that, that was just, no one even talked about that. It didn't right. even pop up. It wasn't on anyone's radar. And then again, this stuff me, and then it's like something like this happens where it's atrocious. It shouldn't be allowed at all by any means. And then no one wants to talk about it. They just want to sweep it right under the rug as if it never really happened. But Draymond Green's been a loose cannon for a very long time. Yep. And he's supposed to be a leader of this team. And do we think that they're just going to solve this, squash this, and then they're going to play cohesively together at, at, a, at, a, at a premium caliber rate? Chances are not. I mean, you can't just strike somebody, first and foremost, another man, and then not to have any kind of ill will or any you know, retribution, you know, emotions towards Adrian Mount Green. Like, oh, well, all right, you got that one. But, you know, these men, let's face it, they're not really men. They're grown boys. And Everybody that's what is, the yeah. NBA is becoming. <laughs> it literally a, a foundation of, where they're supporting grown boys to play a caliber professional game and call themselves athletes and get paid very, very well for it. And then when stuff like this happens, they're, they just sweep things out of the rug. They don't, they don't hold them accountable for anything. It's like the double standard is, is absolutely real. And for me real quick, let me be clear. Like, and I think we're all on the same page with this. It's like, I could care less about somebody talking a little smack on the court and calling somebody a bitch ass white boy, you know, like that to me though, do I, in principle, do I think that's okay no, because I know that other uh, another, <laughs> other people are held to a different standard, you know, but when it comes to a physical altercation, to me, that's unacceptable. That's where you cross the line. Now, I'm not talking about in the middle of play. Elbow, get, elbow gets thrown. Somebody catches it to the face, pushes. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is practice squad in your own house. And... Like Kevin said, Draymond Green has always been a loose cannon. So why this ultimately becomes a story to me is who is at the helm of that house? Mm -hmm. Steve Kerr, the guy, the ninny that's the first person to line up and point his finger at you and tell you how you're wrong, America, how you need to wake up, America. Let me cry some tears for you, America, because you don't have because you don't see how easy it all is, according to me. And this is the guy who doesn't even have control of his own damn house and has a house of violence. We've seen the video. That's what it is. You know what I mean? Like, is it is it a big deal? Yeah, it is. Because you can't sit there and profess one thing and then turn around and act a completely different way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and to Kevin's point, guys getting in fights on teams now. Yeah, I, I think in the past... These guys actually could get in fights and they move on. Shaq right. and Kobe fought, I mean, probably a bunch of times and they, they could move on and eventually they did crumble, but they could move on and they could be competitive and, and work together. And, and it was a, I guess they would form respect. But nowadays, no, I mean, you get into a fight like that, it's pretty much over. I mean, not even just a fight, just, I mean, Kevin Durant left after right. Draymond Green just called him a, a bitch <laughs> and he, he left. <laughs> for that. So <laughs> Draymond Green arguably also cost them uh, the 2016 NBA finals because of, I thought it was a bullshit call, but be because of his little uh, thing with LeBron. So yeah, he's, he's definitely had a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, history going on and I don't know, maybe this will eventually be the, the straw that broke the camel's back. But yeah, I mean, you've even got just not only just the hypocrisy with Kerr, but I mean, even at the top of that organization, you you got the owner. I don't know if it's if they have one owner, or if they have uh, like a, a few, but one of the owners, if it's not the owner, uh, I think it was last year was asked about the whole uh, Uyghur situation in China. He basically said, "Who cares? Yeah, <laughs> like, he, he doesn't care about what's going on over there." Wow. So there's a lot of hypocrisy going on. They'll they'll profess to say that you know they're they're supporting one kind of thing over here, but in actuality, they don't give a damn. They're just all. A bunch of virtue signalers and if it fits the narrative they're going to go out there and, and pretend that they're behind it but if it doesn't fit the narrative and the agenda they will quickly try to to shelve it and like Kerr said he's like oh you know i've seen a whole bunch of fights in my career and and generally we just handle it in-house and it never gets out and it's not a big deal but 
This one, it got out. So now we got to deal with all these questions about it. Now it becomes a big deal. Yeah. yeah. But that's my point. Like, exactly. again, I, like, I don't think it is a big deal. I think, I mean, actually, I mean, I watched the tape and I do think it's a big deal that you have a guy just walk up and just cold cock somebody again. Certain people seem to really like what I perceive as a sucker punch. This wasn't quite a sucker punch, but it was pretty damn close, close in the it. sense that it's just like it looked like it was going to be a shoving match, but he goes straight for the jaw. Yeah. That speaks to the character of, a, of an individual. Yeah. That guy's toxic. You don't Plus want a smaller him. dude. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, he's stepping to the smaller dude. He's not stepping to anyway. But point is, is that you can't have that as part of your culture and then turn around and say, profess like a Steve Kerr does, that it's not, that he's above that, 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 you know, he doesn't, and nor can you, once it happens in your house, not take strict, strong disciplinary actions, professing not only to your team, but to your fans as well, that you have a moral stance at something and you will stand up against what you profess to stand for, uh, regardless of how it affects you and your bottom line and your wins and loss column. I don't know. That's just me. That's where I come from. That's why I'm going to pounce on this from a hypocrisy standpoint, because rightly so, it is hypocrisy. Um, all right. Well, let's just go ahead and move on from that, and let's move on to uh, NFL Week 5. But before we do, we would like to invite you to join our agenda to sideline the agenda by subscribing to our podcast and give us a five-star rating and tell your friends about the show. You can also follow us on Twitter at Sideline Agenda. Sideline the agenda. Get off the sideline and into the the game. Week five NFL Sunday. Like we said at the top of the show, this is pretty much the week I'm going to say, you know, more realistically, probably week six, but this is the week that we start to really see the cracks up here and we start to see the strength of um, some of those teams that we thought might be false players. Uh, But there was a lot that happened uh, yesterday in NFL Sunday, and let's just go ahead and start it off with the first game of the day, which happened in Merry Old England at top. Spurs, Hot Spurs Stadium in London between the uh, Green Bay Packers and the New York Giants. I would say that it was a bit of a surprise that the New York Giants ended up winning this game um, and beating the Packers 27 to 22. And I think it was probably a surprise to a lot of people who actually watched this game because in the merry old fourth quarter, the Green Bay Packers were up 20 to 13. Uh, what happened here? Is this uh, is this actually the cracks appearing on Green Bay and the discount double check Aaron Rodgers? Is this uh, is is are we in the swan song of Rodgers and his career in Green Bay? Is is this actually going to be a losing squad? I don't think they'll be a losing squad. Uh, they'll probably still at least be above 500. I think Rodgers is still good. He's just he's lacking some weapons, so he's lacking the ability to really close out games. Um, I mean, you go scoreless in the second half. They got a safety, but the, you know that's no credit to the offense. So definitely a shocker that the Giants came back and won it. I mean, as Green Bay, Rodgers. I mean, weapons or not, you got to be able to at least put up a field goal or something in the second half to you know help your team out. But I did say in the prediction, if the Giants were going to pull this one out, Barkley was going to have to have a, a big day, and he did. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I mean, that whole division is actually looking really good with the Giants and the Cowboys and uh, the Eagles. Uh, I mean, with those three teams, you've only got two losses combined. Uh, so the division's looking really good. And uh, the Packers, I don't think they're they're as good as they have been these last couple of years, but I think they'll still be at least above 500. Rodgers, I think he's he's got a few years left, but he needs a, a little bit more weaponry at his disposal. Yeah, I think this week we started to see the Cowboys come off, huh? <laughs> yeah, Offensive yeah. start, starting right. to, for a majority of the teams. Um, this one in particular, uh, yeah, the, the Packers were came up came up pretty hot in the first first half. Second half, what happened? 
Yeah, just yeah. lights went off. Um, it could be potentially because this is the first time they're playing in London. That might have a, f- a factor where maybe they weren't used to the time slot or maybe a little jet lag there, what have you. But I do we think we understand now that the Giants have a really good defense. Yeah, I think their defense is is uh, could be underrated at this moment because they were getting pressure on Rodgers, and Rodgers did not like that. Um, we've seen Rodgers get up off the floor several times throughout that game, and um, the Giants they answered. Yeah, they they could have lost this game. Um, they, I think they were a little bit lucky for it to go their way. It was close enough where it could have gone either way down the line. Um, but they pulled it off, and they're now four and one. So um, we have to respect, obviously, the Giants. Now they're they're making themselves known as one of the elite teams now, and um, we'll just have to keep watching them. Oh yeah, uh, Aaron Rodgers. He failed to uh, complete any of his six deep passes against the Giants. His most deep pass attempts without a completion in a game since Week Five, two thousand sixteen according to uh, Next Gen Stats. All right, let's move on to the Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Buffalo Bills at home. This went probably how we all thought it would, though I did admittedly think it would be a closer game than it was. Buffalo Bills uh, spanked the Heinies of the Steelers 38-3. So the Steelers are now 0-8 without TJ Watt. Um Steelers uh, rookie quarterback Kenny Pickett did get the nod, but not too much of an avail. Uh, Yeah, um, but he did throw 327 yards, so that's pretty impressive with one pick. So is there is that a out of this complete uh, terrible display? (laughs) Is that the bright and shining um, uh, uh, horizon for uh, Pittsburgh Steeler and uh, the Pittsburgh Steeler fans? Uh, No, I don't think you take anything away from all those yards. That's just all garbage yardage. They were getting completely demolished in the first half. And with all that yardage, they got three points. So, no, you don't take anything away from that. That's like one of those Matt Ryan games where he throws for like 400 yards, but they still lose. So uh, Josh Allen threw a party. We pretty much predicted this. I forget what the spread was. It was pretty massive, but I I think I said I was still taking it. So I thought they were going to blow him out, and they did. He had over, I think it was 320 yards in the first half with like three or four touchdowns. So they even uh, were up 14. by so much, they even put in their yeah. backup for a little bit. So Buffalo is still, you know, probably the best, easily one of the best three teams in the league. They're, they might be the best, um, but, you know, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I was not surprised by this blowout yeah, at did, all. Did the spread fall to a, a 14? Because uh, it was 14 and a half last we looked at it. I, I think it, it was sounded um, like it was around 14 if yeah, I remember. 14. So they covered yeah. easily. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> This is one of those games where we kind of predicted it. Um, this is also one of the few games that actually turned into a blowout. Um, most of the other games are kind of a pretty close call. We expected Jared Island, uh, Josh Allen, excuse me, to show up, and he did. Four hundred twenty-four yards. Um, obviously, you know, <laughs> with Pittsburgh, there. Chris called it a couple of weeks ago. They're not making the playoffs. All you Steelers fans, this is a build, you know, year for you guys. Um, Pickett didn't really look impressive at all. Um, in fact, uh, they were lucky to probably put up the three points. And honestly, they were lucky <laughs> Buffalo didn't score an additional touchdown because they did fumble the ball on the goal line where the Steelers did actually, you know, cover the ball. And then they, um, so technically speaking, we could be looking at this score well in the 40s um, to three. So that's just a complete blowout. I don't know what Tomlin's doing now over there. Um, I know it's a building year, and I know the Bills are probably one of the best, if not the best, in the AFC, if not the whole league. Uh, but yeah, nothing special here, guys. Nothing to get too excited about. Um, Buffalo ran over a really weak, meek defense. Yeah. All right, moving on to Cleveland. The Cleveland Browns hosted the Los Angeles Chargers, and the Chargers were able to squeak this one out, thirty to twenty-eight. Um, the Browns definitely their running game kept them in this, uh, but Chubb had two touchdowns, rushing touchdowns. Uh, so did, uh, uh, well, no, not Kareem Hunt had one, um, and Jacoby Brissett, uh, 230 yards, one touchdown to throw one pick. Um, I was expecting the chargers would win this game handsomely. That did not happen. So it seems like there are some cracks appearing, especially in the chargers defense. Uh, do you have much, uh, faith in the AFC West, uh, chargers, um, from a defense standpoint? And, uh, what are you thinking about their offense? Uh, the chargers, I mean, this game actually kind of went how I thought it was going to go. I thought it was going to be pretty close. And That's true. I actually you did call thought this. the Browns were yeah. going to win this game. And my prediction was just a little wide right. So 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> last second field goal just went just off. Um, so I thought it was going to be a dogfight. I thought the Browns were going to run over the Chargers a lot, especially with the uh, Bosa out. Um, but to the Chargers' credit, they they were able to get out there and put up thirty points. You know, score thirty points, you're going to win most games. And uh, the Browns just didn't have quite enough offense, not enough closing uh, from their quarterback in order to uh, to pull this one out. They they got a goose egg in the fourth quarter. Uh, so I think the Chargers they'll, they'll be okay if they can get a little more healthy as the season goes on defensively. Uh, their offense is showing that they can put up points. But the Browns, you know, they're, if they're going to be one of those teams that you know come the end of the season, if if they're able to. Uh, get some continuity with Watson out there, you know, they're going to be dangerous. So a uh, good win for the Chargers, the the Browns, they're showing you that they're one of the best two and three teams out there. Yeah, good comeback win for the Chargers for sure. It looks like they were down a little bit early, which was surprising. Um, I picked the Chargers as well, but this, again, this game could have gone any way. Uh, just like you said, Chris, I mean, if the field goal uh, went through, then we'd be talking about the Browns and how the yeah. Chargers lost to the Browns and how did that happen? And <laughs> maybe the Chargers' defense got exposed and maybe they're not as, you know, um, Maybe that defensive front is not as uh, proficient as what we think we are. But, um, yeah, Eckler had a big game for the Chargers. Herbert kind of stuck in there. Um, Cleveland does look good with the addition of Deshaun when he does come back. I mean, we're expecting them to be better for sure. Um, But close game, good game. Yeah, all the way around. Moving on to Jacksonville as the Jacksonville Jaguars hosted the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans are now officially on in the win column and also officially 5 and 0 against the Jacksonville Jaguars, or well, at least 5 and 0 regarding the previous two seasons. It seems that the Texans just have Jacksonville's number. Um, so, uh, what did you think of this? Was this, uh, uh, is this going to give any momentum to the Texans? Uh, Is this speaking to the immaturity and, uh, the, 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 maybe, maybe, uh, we, we thought too much of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, I feel like I certainly did. I don't know if I'm as confident in their abilities now, uh, having, um, lost again. Yeah, this is a really bad loss for the the Jaguars. You got Jekyll and Hyde. Maybe it would be Jacksonville or Jacksonville and Hyde. I mean, this is a game you got to win at home. You put up six points. Credit to Jacksonville's defense. They only gave up 13, and their defense has been playing pretty well all year. But to lose to a a bad team in Houston like that, it definitely speaks to the immaturity. Um, not, Not a good look for the Jaguars. I mean, Trevor Lawrence... You you got to figure out the turnovers, two picks. You, you can't be doing that. No touchdowns uh, against a inferior opponent. So very bad loss. They they've got some things to figure out with the the turnovers with the Jaguars if they want to take that next step. And we said that this you know if if coming into this game if Jaguars are maturing at all with the young squad they should go out there and dominate this game. And they didn't. So they've got a lot of issues to figure out. Maybe this will be a loss that will help them in the future. Um, but I mean, credit to Houston to, to finally getting off, you know, into the win column. Uh, but they had no business winning this game. Yeah. Happy for Houston, you know, finally getting the win. You're right. But what the heck, how did this happen guys? <laughs> Jaguars were just singing your praises last week. And then you, you get on, you know, you, you take a shit on the field this week and then you make us all look like fools. Um, Trevor Lawrence, you're just forcing the ball. You're throwing two picks. I mean, you were, didn't look like you're comfortable the whole time. Um, I kind of do have to disagree with you a little bit too, Chris. I think the Jaguars' defense is atrocious. I think they're awful. I don't think they're getting any coverage on the uh, quarterback, and I think their secondary is even weaker than that. Um, and so I was just very surprised that the Jags were just just ran over like this. Um, and really, it came down to a last second or, or last quarter you know, touchdown that finally occurred for some team. It seemed like it was kind of like the Denver Broncos game of last week. This was a lousy game, and for Jaguars to to do this at home, um, you guys really need to get your stuff in in gear and figure it out. Yeah, the Jacksonville Jaguar fans are definitely going to hold on to the fact that Trevor Lawrence threw two interceptions this game, but specifically that one that he threw to Derek Stingley Jr. in the red zone, in the end zone. Uh, that could have been uh, a precious seven that would have definitely um, changed the outcome of this game. Anyway, moving on to Minnesota, the Minnesota Vikings uh, hosted the Chicago Bears. 
Uh, they beat the Bears 29-22. I thought that this was going to be a stomping, which it looked like it was going to be at first uh, when they were up against them uh, 21-9, I believe, in the second quarter. Um, Bears were able to, to to come back a little bit. Uh, Justin Field was able to throw more than 200 yards in this one and a, and a touchdown pass, by the way, uh, <laughs> you know, as, as elite as he is. But uh, Kirk Cousins continuing to put up the, 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 the numbers that uh, Cousins puts up. And also now he's uh, four and one. Uh, again, we talked about this last show. Not a team that I would expect to say four and one with. They don't feel like a four and one team, but it's there on paper. They certainly are. What are you thinking about the Vikings? Yeah, they're they're a solid team. I think they're they're benefiting from their schedule a little bit with some of the teams that they face so far. Uh, I, they did pretty much what I, I thought they needed to do today. Um, Cousins had a good game, um, but uh, nothing really shocking. I mean, Chicago's not a good team, so. Uh, I, yeah, I don't really have too much to say about this. Game, <laughs> no, I agree. Honest. Yeah. And the, the, honestly, let's be. Let's just you know. Let's just keep this straight and, and narrow. Uh, Justin Fields. The only reason why the Bears <laughs> stuck inside this game is because he actually listened to our podcast. You guys get this? He he listened to our podcast. We said the only way that he was going to be or the Bears were going to get any better is if Justin Fields stopped throwing the ball, which he did throw a little bit better this game. Yeah. But if he actually ran the ball, right? Yeah. And so he started running the ball. I think he had a that huge run that obviously was pulled back because of a offensive hold or no, excuse me, uh, uh, block in the back. Um, but it was like a fifty-some yard run where he he wow. pulled off, and he, you know it was a touchdown. But he did have forty-seven yards on the on the on the ground. But the Bears they just don't look that great, and Minnesota's kind of just skating by. They had an early lead. It looks like they were giving the ball to Dalvin Cook to kind of get back, uh, uh, try to eat the clock, and then also it kind of backfired on them as well because they were three and out, and then the Bears would come back and then um, get back in the game, and then. Uh, looked like Minnesota started catching their way once they went for that two-point conversion where they did ultimately succeed, and then it seemed like, okay, now they're going to wrap up this game. But good win for Minnesota, 4-1. and one. It's good to see. Speaking of listening to the show as we travel to Foxborough, Bill Belichick might have been listening to this oh, last man. episode as well as Kevin said that he should just keep it on the ground, which he did. And also, by the way, Kevin, you predicted – uh, Detroit loss. Uh, the uh, the New England Patriots gave the Detroit Lions a big fat goose egg and beat them twenty nine to zero. A little bit of a good spread as far as the Patriots were concerned with the uh, hundred and eighty eight yards passing, but hundred and seventy six on the ground. Uh, definitely the difference maker here. Kevin, you called this one. Chris, you did not. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I should have known better as a Rams fan, seeing what uh, Belichick did to Goff in that Super Bowl. I mean, he made him look like old Jared Goffle again. Uh, <laughs> big fat goose egg. So in two games against the Patriots, Goff has put up a grand total of three points. Yeah, this was pretty pathetic. Uh, Lions are for sure not the number one offense in the league anymore. Um, yeah, I, I, I yeah. Made me eat my words on that one, old Belichick, you bastard. It happens, it happens. We've seen Bill Belichick come out and do this before. Um, I think it was a couple years ago he did the same thing to the Chicago Bears. He came out literally ran dang near every play because the weather was terrible. Yeah. Um, and so we've seen him do this something like that. And obviously with the backup to the backup, you know, um, as far as the quarterback, we're not expecting him to be carrying a team or offense at all. And Stevenson, I think he's a decent running back, so he trusted the running back and it worked for him. Yeah, 161 yards on the on the ground for Stevenson. So, yeah, Belichick, you know, he'll he'll whatever his advantage is, he'll he'll just run it to death. Uh, let's move on to uh, New Orleans and uh, who dat who dat who dat gonna beat them Saints? Uh, the Saints uh, take on the Seattle Seahawks and beat them 39-32. Uh, but uh, did did Gino, the uh, quarterback of the Seattle Saints, uh, Gino Smith uh, was uh, looking yeah. looking? Or excuse me, of uh, yeah of, of the Seahawks, uh, Gino Smith was looking pretty nice uh, with his two hundred and sixty eight yards passing and three touchdowns. Um, is this a uh, uh, is this just showing the 
uh, competitiveness of the uh, NFC West Seahawks and um, the, uh, uh, the 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 fight and ability of the Saints who are still working without their starting quarterback? Um, or is this kind of, again, Seattle just having these fluke appearances? I know they didn't come out with the win on this one, but they're still looking pretty good. Are they good or are they, do they just appear to be good? I don't. I, they're better than we thought they were, but they're not good. No. Uh, but surprisingly, Smith has. I mean, is that is that Russell Wilson or is that Geno Smith? Right. Exactly. <laughs> Gino right. Smith is playing like Russell Wilson. Wow, everyone thought he was going dude, to. You just broke my brain but real man, quick. Hold on. Hold on. No. Hold on. I want to take a second to just marinate in that because it's so true. He's Russell Wilson. Yeah. Or sorry. What we're saying is is that Russell Wilson is just a product of the Seattle Seahawks mach- offensive machine. <laughs> and because he's been maybe potentially exposed in Denver as it's not really working out so far. Wow. Dude, yeah. Geno Smith is, he's looking like Russell Wilson. Anyway, continue. Yeah, Sorry Smith, I mean, he's, he's playing well. I mean, in a vacuum, I think Wilson is still a, a far superior quarterback to Smith, but Smith is, he's had a good couple games. You know, they're scoring a lot of points. This game was a way higher scoring game than I thought it was going to yeah. be. The Saints defense is not as good as I thought it was going to be this season so yeah. far. Uh, but credit to the Saints to put up 39 points to win this one. But who knew? Yeah, Seattle is, you know, Pete Carroll is supposed to be a defensive-minded coach, but these last couple of games they put up, what, 48 and then now 32. So, I mean, if they keep doing this, you, you really got to start asking questions about Wilson. I think Wilson needs more time with, with the Broncos, and their coach Hackett doesn't seem to be hacking it at all. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, Geno Smith is uh, – Looking a lot better than we thought. The Seattle Seahawks are looking a lot better than we thought. But as far as being a good team, I don't think they're at that level now. It's a close game. None of one of these games that came down to the wire. This game could have would have went anyway. Uh, these are close. These are close teams. Yeah. Uh, the defenses for the Saints, I think we all expected to be a lot better, and they're yep. just not. They're yeah. not. They're not that team. They don't have it. Um, and you know, Seattle. I think they have a maybe a little bit better defense of what we. Thought. Um, we know that obviously Rashad Penny went out of the game. He was injured. So that kind of hurt Seattle, I think, down the line. Geno Smith had a, another good showing. Um, I would like to see him do those kind of numbers against maybe a, a better defense and right. um, see how he, yeah, see how, how he, how he reacts. Uh, Lockett had a good game. It's nice to see Kamaro back in, but I think the real MVP came down to Taysom Hill um, with three total touchdowns plus that fumble return, uh, fumble recovery. Um, dude went nuts, you know, yeah. maybe it, I mean, what do you guys think? Is that, is that potentially your next starter? Do you start him over Andy Dalton? You already have the backup. I think they're, they're going to do what they did. They're going to have yeah. Dalton kind of handle the, the majority of the typical quarterback snaps and they're going to use Taysom Hill as their, their X factor. Cause yeah, Hill had three touchdowns running and another one throwing mm-hmm. over a hundred yards running Kamara. He had more yards running than Kamara did and Kamara went over a hundred yards. So if they're able to do that against, you know, some of these, these better teams, you know, and maybe they found something today, but it, it's just one game. So we'll see what happens going forward. The, the both teams are just two and three now and the saints were kind of my wild card pick. So I was happy I finally got this one right, but <laughs> they I thought they would be better because of their defense, but their defense is not what I thought it was. Watching for sure. them, I'm not impressed with the coaching. I could say that right now. Who that, the Saints? <laughs> they yeah. miss Sean Payton, that's for I sure. I said who that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to uh, New York and the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 as they hosted the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins, of course, were out without their starting quarterback, Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, both of these teams are 3-2. and two. Uh, Then the Jets beat the Miami Dolphins 40-17. A lot of yards in the this game um is this do you take do you put any stock in the jets you want to talk about another team that you would assume be an automatic w against them um i don't know not so much i think they're coming up they've got a pretty good squad pretty good defense and uh zach wilson seeming to be doing a fairly decent job at the helm of quarterback yeah so the dolphins ended up playing i mean whoever heard of them skylar thompson at, at quarterback bridgewater didn't even 
take any snaps. I'm Skylar sure Thompson, by the way, seems like a fake name of like a movie. It's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, we got to bring in Skylar. <laughs> you know, he's like that transplant kid. He's got the golden locks, you right, know. Right. Exactly. <laughs> hey, like sunshine Skylar. from. Uh, yeah, from uh, Remember the Titans. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I, I guess the Jets took advantage of a, a team that's kind of reeling right now with, with their quarterback situation. And you don't have a quarterback that can get the ball to those weapons. You should be able to pull out a win. And, and man, the Jets, who knew that they were going to be such an amazing fourth-quarter team in some of these games with some of their comebacks? They scored 21 in the fourth to, to blow this game wide open. Uh, so, I, I mean, the Jets are, are probably the worst 3-2 and two team in the league. Uh, so it's tough to go by the record right now because if they were to face healthy, you know, you would fully expect the Dolphins to win this. But that's the NFL for you. You know, there's injuries all around. Uh, this this game was a lot closer than the score actually indicates. Um, the Jets had a couple um, fumbles, scoops and scores, and uh, they had a couple picks, you know, for the Dolphins. Obviously, the, you said it yourself, the Dolphins are really because of the, the backup quarterback. But, again, this is one of the ones that I didn't actually predict. Uh, so I'm eating my words on this one. But uh, we're fully – I fully expected the Miami to come out here. But it's hard to do so when you have, you know, uh, unheard of quarterback yeah. to come out there and supposed to produce. <laughs> Jets could be foreseeably riding a nice wave. I just don't like their, their coach. I think um, they're a little overrated at this moment. And – um, they blew it wide open with a lot of those turnovers in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the NFC South and this division rival of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as they hosted the Atlanta Falcons with a little bit of help from Tom Brady and his 351 yards passing and one touchdown and Tom Brady with a little help from the officiating and the occasional roughing the passer. <laughs> <laughs> the Gosh. Tampa Bay Buccaneers were able to win this one 21-15. Tom Brady is now 11-0 and against the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> yeah, this is another one of those situations where like, some of these referees need to get reprimanded for some of these calls. The guy made just a basic tackle on Brady, and they had the nerve to call a roughing the passer. It's just, just pathetic. Yeah, it's like this call needs to be under review. Yeah. The, the under review needs Don't to be under review. Don't you know that this is a 45-year-old GOAT quarterback? You can't <laughs> go you? touching him like that. <laughs> yeah, that was bad. I mean, Tampa, they, they had complete control of this game, and they should have won this game, which they did. But the Falcons made a little bit of a comeback at the end, and if that call doesn't go their way, I mean, who knows what happens. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, I fully expected Tampa to win this. Must, uh, Brady's just kind of going to control the game, going to kind of dink and dunk and take his shots when he can. And uh, one touchdown, uh, they just they just a full-on Brady game for sure. Must admit this. Um, we've seen this all before. Tom Brady get pampered out there. Just call him uh, pampered Brady. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Dude never gets tested, but honestly, this was a this was a, a beating. Yeah, the, uh, this was you know, Buccaneers had this game. I think they did get a little bit worried at the, in the fourth quarter, but yeah. the Falcons they scored all their points in the fourth quarter as kind of like a, a desperation mode. Right. So they were doing things that they don't normally do, um, which would reflect it obviously in the box score all the way up to the fourth quarter. Um, but this was everything what we all expected. So yeah. All right, the Tennessee Titans uh, headed to Washington to take on the Commanders, uh, D.C., and uh, they beat them 21-17. Um, you know, this kind of game probably went the way that we expected it to. Uh, yep. However, Carson Wentz put on a bit of a display with 359 yards passing and two touchdowns. Uh, what What's your take of this? The uh, Washington Commanders are now 1-4, probably fairly going to be the doormat of at least their division, if not the league, but uh, the uh, Tennessee Titans kind of seeming to find some form of pace and production, and they're sitting at uh, three and two. Yeah, this is the epitome of a Titans game. This is what they want to play right now. They want Henry to get his you know, 20 to 30 carries, get over 100 yards, control the clock, play good enough defense to where they can keep the other team and in the low teens, maybe high teens, and they can score in the low 20s. This is their formula. And uh, get Tannehill to throw for close to maybe 200 yards. He was at 181 yards today with a touchdown, and the key for him is no turnovers. So if they can play this brand of football where they play solid defense, run the ball, and just let Tannehill get those little little completions here and there to, for the short yardage, then you know they'll be a tough team. So this was a, a Titans game for sure. Not not expecting the Titans to do too too well this year. I I wasn't very impressed with them. I will say Tannenhill does. 
he he like adjusts to his competition. He just kind of like lowers his, <laughs> and he kind of like stays right there. So if Carson Wentz is doing this, I'm gonna do this just to match him. I just feel like he's a matching quarterback out here. Carson Wentz had a little bit better showing, but I think he listened to our podcast too, guys. I mean, I think we can confirm this because we did say <laughs> if if Carson Wentz can actually involve Terry McLaurin in the, in the offense, they will be a lot better, and they did, and so they actually stood in the game. Um, he had a couple bombs, I think, to Dwami Brown. Um, that one was like, uh, I, I can't remember off the top, but I know that Dwami's caught two catches, 75 yards. But the, one, these were bombs to this guy, and he had some pretty amazing catches. And it was nice to see the commanders kind of hang in there, kind of have a chance, but they really just couldn't stop Derrick Henry and yeah. uh, the Titans. It's the same old song. Yeah. Well, moving on to uh, Carolina Panthers as they host the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers blew them out 37-15. Is this, again, a case of the 49ers being a lot better than we thought they were? Or are they just benefiting again from the uh, Baker Mayfield bump? Yeah, the Carolinas are, you know, Panthers are not a good team this year. But the 49ers are. I I do think that they're going to be a very solid team. They're only going to get better uh, now that they've got Garoppolo as the full-time quarterback, you know, taking all the snaps and practice, and he doesn't have to sit behind Lance and 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 all that controversy going on. So they're they're a great defensive team, and their offense is only going to get better. So they did what they well, pretty much what we thought they were going to do is go in there and and dominate a inferior team. Frustrations all over the side of the Carolina Panthers. It was evident if you watch the game, you see the players, even the fans being very frustrated with what's going on over there. Um, I think they have an issue. I think everyone can see it. Um, Mayfield is not very efficient. Um, and even uh, she, she Smith, their wide receiver, was very frustrated, showing a lot of his emotions on the field and even off the field. Um, Frisco, yes, they're they're looking they're looking like they might be uh, the team to be or one of the teams to be in the NFC. They have a pretty solid defense. I think they're still trying to figure it out offensively. We'll see more and more of them for sure down the line. But Carolina, they need to. They need to figure it out. Isn't isn't their head coach rule like already been like offered three different uh, college football (laughs) positions as head coach? He's already on his way out for sure. Take one of those. All right. Well, the Philadelphia Eagles remain undefeated as they travel to Arizona to take on the Cardinals. They beat the Cardinals 2017. The headline here, Jalen Hurts throws zero touchdown passes. But he rushes in for two. <laughs> so, uh, are you believing in the uh, Philadelphia Eagles as they sit five and zero now? As I've said before, I think that they are a benefactor of having an extremely weak season. So, I am excited to see them actually get tested by a strong team. Though the jury's still out on the Arizona Cardinals, as we've discussed before, who typically have weak first half play, but then come on strong in the second. Yeah, I I think the Eagles are are definitely showing that they're I want to say one like the best team, but they're they're one of them up there cuz when you can have a, a game where offensively you're maybe not at your best with with Hurts credit to him he didn't turn the ball over and if you're not turning it over you can stay in a lot of games. Uh but when you're a complete team where you have a good defense and a good offense, you you can win games like this on the road. Um Coming in four and zero, you know you're going to get the best shot from the other team, from a, a solid team, not a, not a great team, but a solid team in the Cardinals. Um, so credit to them. I, I think they definitely prove that they they have a right to be five and zero right now. Good NFC showdown for sure. Uh, I didn't predict this one. I thought Phoenix uh, would take you know, take this one, especially because they're playing at home. But again, this game could have went any way. Uh, again, we're looking at a last what minute and thirty five seconds where the you know the winning field goal went up and went through. Um, so I think what Jalen Hurts did is what I was expecting Kyler Murray to do uh, was run the ball a little bit. You know, get on the get on the ground and and. Um, open up some some plays with your feet. And I think, you know, Jalen Hurts, if he continues to do this, yes, we're going to be talking about the Eagles for a long time. Their defense is pretty good. Um, I think everyone can see that. And it's just a great game all the way around. Well, speaking of the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles, there's one other individual undefeated, and that, of course, is Cooper Rush the starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys as they rushed all over the Los Angeles Rams and beat them at home, beat the Rams at home 22 to 10. 
This, as a Rams fan, was just abysmal. Uh, very much apparent that uh, they do not have an offensive line that's functional. There's just there's just a lot of cracks. There's a lot of crevices. There's a lot of just just straight just up Grand, Grand Canyons, Canyons. <laughs> exactly. And and uh, boy, is it showing. Uh, man, is there any faith or hope for the Rams to uh, to to get back on the winning track? Man, this game was terrible. It was it was ugly. Um, it, you know, it, I I hate to say that we didn't see it coming because when you're running out practice squad offensive linemen against one of the past rush best pass rushes in the league, you know, it's it's a scary thing. And right away, immediately, <laughs> it reared its ugly head with. The uh, strip sack fumble and return for a touchdown, and then the the Rams go out there and and are forced to punt, and then they get the, the freaking punt blocked. So yeah. it was ugly. The the Rams did punch back and got a touchdown, was able to get a very very brief lead uh, to score ten points, and then they got shut out in the entire second half. Uh, this one is is. You just got to say that the Cowboys are a better team right now. Uh, they managed the game with rush. They didn't do anything stupid and, and turn the ball over, um, which which is a good formula for them to win this one. But from the Rams' standpoint, Sean McVay's got a lot to figure out. This one is on him. Uh, he he's he's just got to be better. I mean, you still got weapons out there. You still got Cup. You still got Robinson. You still got Higby, and you're struggling to even get the ball out to to your playmakers. So he's got a lot of things to figure out. This was a very frustrating game. Um, defensively, they, they played well enough. There was the big run that they gave up, which, which shouldn't happen. Uh, but other than that, they did okay. But offensively, uh, there's just no excuse with a quality quarterback and, and Matt Stafford. And you kind of saw that pick coming at the end of the game where he was going to be forced to just kind of toss one up because he's getting beat up out there, which he did, and it was an interception. That was, that was game over. Um, so it, it sucks because Stafford, you expect more out of him, but he's kind of running for his life right now. So you would expect that McVay would come up with some kind of game plan to have some quicker routes, uh, get him some protection, be it trying to uh, run the ball a little bit more effectively, but man, Cam Akers just sucks out there. He gets the ball and he does not hit any gaps. He kind of hesitates. Um, but one thing that was kind of baffling me a few times was, uh, more than once, it was several times where he would run Henderson out as like a wide receiver, or he would run Acres out there as like a wide receiver. I'm not sure what the scheme is there because they pretty much never throw it to him. So I don't know what that whole plan is, but it would seem to make more sense to me to to run an actual wide receiver out there. You got that guy McCutcheon that was dominating in the preseason, and he's over there in, in street clothes on the sideline. Right. So uh, there, there's a lot of questionable things going on. I think McVay kind of was. Uh, a little too happy in this offseason, uh, soaking up the Super Bowl, getting married and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, congrats to him. But this is business time, and he's not handling his business. His, his team is not ready out there to handle their business. Um, so it doesn't look good. You, you know, your hope is you can get at least back to 3-3 three and three going against the, uh, the Panthers next week, and then you get a bye, and hopefully you can get a little healthy and then make a run. So we'll still see there's a lot of season left, but – a lot of uh, gaping Grand Canyon holes right there in that f- offensive line. Yeah, a tough loss, especially you're down 9-0 with the two turnovers. That's kind of a, a rally killer, if you will. Um, but, you know, be excited for Dallas. But Dallas, I, don't go too far with your excitement. Cooper Rush, he looked decent. He got you the win. Yeah, but he didn't look that great, guys. He only threw 102 yards. Um, I think the Achilles heel was actually the the the, the run game. Uh, the Rams literally could not stop the run. They were eating up four or five yards, six yards at a time, just chunking it down the field. And our, we're expecting a lot, especially Rams fans, you know, anyone's expecting the Rams up front, you know, to be pretty – pretty resistant to the run. Um, that's why they went out and got Bobby Wagner. That's why, you know, that's why um, they have Aaron Donald in the middle, you know, so we're not used to that. And it, I think that that got exposed. Um, and the question marks have been surrounding the secondary for sure since even the beginning of the season. Dallas Cowboys, enjoy it while you can. Rams got some things to do. Um, it's just not a, not a, not a 
Not a good game. Yeah, the early the the early fumble by Stafford to to lead to six for Dallas, and then that block punt was definitely a big difference maker. What sticks out to me is that you look at the total yardage and Dallas sitting at two hundred and thirty nine, while the Rams were sitting at three hundred and twenty three. That speaks to uh, you know the lack of true productivity on Dallas's side. But the other thing is that the, you know, like you said, Cooper Rush. I mean, passing yards are seventy six for the the Cowboys and um, rushing yards for the Rams thirty eight. I mean, how can you just how can you get something going? How can you still lose a game as a defense and, al- and only allow seventy six yards passing? Well, I mean, just looking at the the box score, yeah, Stafford throwing forty two times. That's that's way too many right. times for a team knowing that you can't protect your quarterback. Why are you dropping them back that much? But it also shows you that they can't run the ball at all. Acres got thirteen carries and a grand total of thirty three yards. I mean, that's just pathetic. He needs to be benched. Uh, they need to be running uh, Henderson, or uh, I think they just brought in Brown. They need to be running them out there because I don't know what's wrong with Acres, but ever since his Achilles went went. Uh, snap he's not been the same not even close and I think it's not even physically it's just it's mentally and to Kevin's point where the the Rams defense was not good against the run I I'm still really uh their defensive coordinator needs to go in my opinion uh Morse's soft zone coverage that he plays where he's got the linebackers and the safeties and the corners playing so far back he's only got Wagner there to plug any kind of gaps uh in the run game so as soon as any running back can get past at least Wagner, they've got all kinds of room. And once they get past that first level, they can make a, one or two guys miss, and they're off to the races. We saw it last week. We saw it again this week. He needs to get more guys in the box. Uh, they need a completely different defensive uh, mindset out there because um, you, you knew the Cowboys were going to run it. Like, <laughs> that's, you knew no. that's what they're going to do coming in. That, that's their bread and butter. Uh, with this with this backup quarterback in there, so it's very frustrating. I just saw ninety four in there, the big ninety four Robinson in the middle of the defensive line for the Rams just gets stood up and then pushed back yeah. pretty much every single play. And even if even if they ran it towards his way, I mean, there even if he got a hand on the running back, you know, there's he's still four or five yards right. pushed back. So right. ultimately, it's still a gain, and and that was a huge weakness. And then on, on to your point as well, on the offensive side, what do you think they're thinking if they have that amount of of um, pressure being brought in, where Stafford can't even think about his full name or say his full name without someone right on him? <laughs> why would they play an empty backfield? Why are they have all these wide receivers to left and to the right with no one else back there to help with extra protection or even applying any chip blocking from any of the wide receivers on the edges to help slow down that pressure? There was no adjustments made, and that's what hurt the Rams. Yeah, you would like to see some more kind of game planning there, especially when you saw Parsons hurt on the other side. You're still dropping back passing. You're just letting him rush. If anything, you want to run right in him. I would like to have seen like some – two tight ends, some eye formation, just try and pound it, try to do some play action, and something, because whatever you were doing already was clearly not working. Yeah, I think Sean McVay is putting more consideration into his hair gel than he is his offensive <laughs> schemes. All right, well, let's quickly move on to a Sunday night football and travel to Baltimore as the Baltimore Ravens hosted the Cincinnati Bengals. Both teams are 2-2 two and two stepping into this one. Lamar Jackson... Um, yeah, he he's uh, he's something else, uh, you know, and and of course going up against Joe Burrows, uh, Joe Burrows had some uh, issues to uh, last night. Um, he uh, averaged the fewest air yards per attempt in a game in his career before, and was uh, blitzed at the lowest rate in a game in his career, two point seven percent. So not a lot of pressure, but also not a lot of performance. Uh, what do you think? Is this, again, uh, a canary in the coal mine in regards to Cincinnati Bengals? I mean, this is a great AFC divisional rivalry between the two. Um, we early on in the season uh, picked uh, the Ravens to to win this. I you know, went out on a limb and said that I don't even think the Bengals are going to make the playoffs. Um, I don't know. What did, you, what did you guys see tonight? I saw a couple pretty evenly matched uh, squads, the the Ravens and the Bengals. I thought it would be a dogfight. It, it would come down to the wire, which it did. Um, but I think with Burrow, the the you're going to start seeing this from really the entire league now. 
they're just going to sit back in coverage, especially because their offensive line isn't the greatest, so you can still get pressure on them. Uh, but they're going to sit back in coverage and just make him dink and dunk all the way down, and they're not going to let you, you know, he's not going to beat you with chase uh, down the field anymore. So kind of what they've been doing to Mahomes his last couple of years, they're, they're going to go after Burrow like that and just make him be patient and make him beat you, and he doesn't, at least yet, seem like he's the guy that's going to be able to really carve you up and still be able to put up a lot of points on the board. So, yeah, division rivalry, you know these games are always going to be close. Uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, he got the win, but not a great game, especially by the the season that he's been having so far. Uh, overthrew a bunch of potential touchdowns. Uh, didn't even throw for 200 yards out of 32 attempts. Uh, did pretty well on the, on the ground, uh, especially when they needed to at the end of the game. Um, but it, they just, they both seem like they're kind of, they're not at the top of the pack. They're, they're more not, I wouldn't say middling teams, maybe slightly better than that. But, uh, I would expect like, like we predicted the Ravens to eventually come out on top of this division, but I don't think either team is really going to make much noise going into the playoffs. Yeah, and I don't even know that I mentioned this that the uh, the Ravens they they won that game nineteen seventeen, and it was fairly evenly matched seemingly. Yeah. I mean, you look at the time of possession, you know, it's a uh, pretty much the same amount of time, um, total yards within the ballpark of themselves. I don't know, Kevin. What do you, what are you thinking here? Baltimore was coming into the game as a favored uh, by three points, um, and that was pretty much the outcome of the game. Uh, They're pretty much even. Uh, I agree with you, Chris. Um, I think anybody watching this game was expecting far more from Lamar Jackson in a sense in the air where he's just missing these wide open um, receivers down the field. But uh, this was like a kicker's duel to me. It seemed like it just seemed like each offense could move the ball um, but just couldn't get in there when they needed to. But they definitely relied on their kicker to uh, move the, the numbers on the scoreboard. And also, just looking at the numbers, I mean, yeah, as far as the option, you know, the option play that Lamar, the, the Bengals didn't have an answer to that. You know, so yeah. Lamar was just keeping it, and he kind of took the ball in his own hand, so to speak, and um, carried his team down there to obviously get the last-second field goal for the victory. And I think it's interesting to see the uh, tight ends, the production out of both tight ends. Obviously, Hayden Hurst is a former uh, Baltimore Raven who showed up for the Bengals, and, and yeah. that was kind of f- fun, I guess, in a sense where um, – because Marco Andrews on the other side of the, of the ball, he showed up for his team. So it, definitely like a tight end duel there. A little tight end jazz. Yeah. <laughs> and that was – and we called this too last week. We, we we predicted, you know, Mark Andrews should have a big game. He should be um, sought after at least on like the third downs that are pretty crucial for the Ravens. And seemingly that's what they did. Um, and this was – we'll see them play again. I think Bengals are, you know, legit, but um, I, we're. I'm still sticking with the the Ravens, and I'm, uh, I'm still thinking that they're going to take that division. Yeah, and I, I, I still think that the hype coming into this season, or I don't even know if you'd be hype, but kind of the knock with Jackson was his his pocket passing, and for the first four games in the season, I mean, he really silenced all the doubters. Was having a great season, but this game, he kind of came back to reality a little bit. I mean, maybe it's just one game. Uh, I guess you could kind of say the same thing for Burrow, but uh, I think that what we saw today is kind of a little bit more of the norm of what you'd be seeing from these guys. Burrow had a, had a great stretch at the end of the year last year, but I think he's kind of come back down to earth. And like I said before, they're going to start playing this coverage, this soft coverage, let him drop back and beat you and and take your chances that way. And he doesn't look like he's the guy that's going to be able to really carve you up and, and just – do like what Brady does, just kind of dink and dunk, dink and dunk, and then hit you deep. Uh, that's what he's going to have to be. And and same thing with Jackson. You can't miss those those balls. I mean, maybe it's just one game, so we'll see what they do going forward. But, yeah, th- this division looks like it's going to come down to the wire between these two teams. Absolutely. And Justin Tucker's 43-yard field goal at the end of regulation puts them in the win column with the three and two record and uh, top of the AFC uh, North, right? 
<laughs> I always have to think about the divisions for a second <laughs> and make sure that I, that I have that straight. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us here on Sideline the Agenda. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Be sure to tell your friends about what we're doing here and join our podcast by subscribing to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Uh, give us a five-star rating, too. That really helps out. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Sideline Agenda. I'm Scott. That's Kevin. That's Chris. This is Sideline the Agenda. Get off the sideline and into the game.